morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? How'd everybody sleep? Okay, I got a question for you. Who wishes they could kick their teenagers out of their room? Like, who, who, wants, who wants their teenagers to have their own room? Seriously, because it's, they're, like, getting in your way. All right, one right there. Keep your hands up. One, two, three, four. Okay, you four, uh, come see us afterwards. Your teenager is going to get your own, their own room. Okay, so... We just so happen to have four rooms available. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's that easy. It's that easy. I really believe that, um, that whoever's here, whoever made it, is supposed to be here. I, that's, that's, that's a theological view called sovereignty. And I believe that you're here for a reason. And one of the visions I had, uh, Jeanette and I were... We're praying for, for all of you today as we began in the morning, and, and we said this is our vision, that, that people would leave here saying, that is the deepest thing I've ever done. I'm a little bit more known today than I was yesterday. And here's the thing. It looks, it looks different for everybody. It always looks different for everybody. And my wife has reminded me, because I like to swim in the deep end, but that's not for everybody. Sometimes... Some people, they don't know how to swim yet, so they kind of just want to hang out here in the shallow end. Some people are just on the outside, and they just want to stick their, their toe in a little bit. And I've learned over time that, that all of that is a win. And I don't judge anybody for if, if they don't want to jump in. And it's, it's okay. That's what happens when we live life long enough, and, and we're in a season where we need um, some safety. We're, we're in a season where... Uh, we're ready to go in. I mean, there's someone in here. It's possible that you're coming here and saying, I, I hope we bring it because I am so ready to cross this line from not being known to being known and just give me a reason. So this is your excuse this weekend. I'm giving you full excuse to cross the line of not being known by your spouse to being known. And if, you, if you're here uh, with just your kids, uh, with, with your kids as well. With, with it, this applies for everybody, regardless of, of who's here, because we invited everybody to this retreat. So um, with that, I'll, I will read. Uh, we have a lot more new people here that, that came. Um, this is great. Welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here, which means I get to uh, embarrass my wife one more time. Uh, let me go up here. Okay, this is our family. Jeanette, you have to come up here again since we're reintroducing you. Oh. screens here. Up, up. There we go. That's our family. Jeanette has to come up here. You have to come up here so everybody sees how cute you are. We're the Brank family. Okay. That's all. That's all. Jeanette's my best friend. And we have four children that look exactly, exactly like us. We ask people all the time, please don't, please don't uh, judge us. People look at us and they say, your, your family's so cute, I don't think you can relate to us. Uh, there's no way that you probably have the same brokenness that we do, so it must be nice to be so put together and perfect. I'm, I'm letting you know right now, I wish, I wish you could just be a fly in the wall in our house. You would, you would look at the things that happen and you'd be like, okay, I can relate to that guy. <laughs> like this morning when one of my children who will go unnamed said, why didn't you wake me up? I don't have time for breakfast. And I said, well, if you do less more talking and more dressing, then you would... Be quiet. I'm like, okay. 
And then I started to think about, okay, what can I use in this moment that would be helpful for, the, for today's lesson? So I was on my best behavior, and I said, you're welcome to feel any emotion that you want right now. She goes, be quiet. <laughs> Fine. Okay, so you will have a consequence for that, but you're, you're allowed to feel however you want. You have free reign to feel however you want. And uh, it, it, it just didn't go so well. So I ended up removing myself from the situation, i.e. I left the room. But that's okay. We have a lot to, we have a lot to talk about because we have a lot, a lot in common. Uh, for those of you who, did, who didn't get to meet, I said if I were to create my own world's perfect youth pastor, it would be a guy who's got a, a master's in education, who has a background with children with special needs, who has about 15 years of experience with middle schoolers and high schoolers, and he has a beard, and his name would be Grady Brown. So he's next door with your kids. We are, we are blessed to have Grady on our team. He actually works for uh, an NFE FBO, uh, a non-federal entity, faith-based organization. Um, Uh, he works for a uh, non-federal uh, non entity, faith-based organization called Young Life. And uh, he is here full-time to minister to the youth, uh, to the military youth of Stuttgart. So he's got a big AO. He said he doesn't know anything about the military. And I said, that's perfect. You bring a fresh perspective, and you're going to do great. So that, that's great. He's, he's, totally, he's totally a youth, a youth pastor. Um, during the break, if you have time, if you're, if, you're, if you're just getting here, I'd like you to go on um, fivelovelanguages.com, take the test, and then you can write your love language on your, on your name tag here, just so that when we see you, we know how to love you, and that we know how you, how you perceive and, and receive love. Okay? You want to know my love language? I'm 33% uh, words of affirmation, and uh, I don't know why it says zero gifts. I like getting stuff, so if you want to get me something, feel, feel free. <laughs> It, it always changes based on how, how when I, what mood I'm in when I'm taking it, but I, I love gifts, actually. Okay. Um, some ground rules for our listening groups here. It's not mandatory. We're not, we're not like, you know, dis disclosing everything to our, to our groups. We're going to call these listening groups. Um, but as, a, as, a, as ground rules we have in these groups, uh, I, like, I like the no scars rule. Um, no side talking, no cell phones, no advice giving. Advice giving is, it's, it's just typically men, we're, we're fixers. We like to go in and say, you know, you, you know what you should do, this, this, and this. Rescuing is when someone's choosing to be vulnerable, and they say, you know what, I, I am, I'm, a, I'm, a bad, I'm a bad dad. And then someone else doesn't like that feeling, so they jump in and they say, no, no, you're, you're, you're a great dad. I've seen you. I've seen you at the football game. You're, you're right there. And it's, it stifles the, the moment of, of transparency and vulnerability. But rather, we just let people just go full reign with their emotions. Even, even in counseling, I never hand someone, I never hand someone tissue if they're crying in my office. You know why? Because it, it sends a signal. It says, hey, Tom, I don't like that. Oh, it's not and everything. Here, clean, clean yourself up because I don't feel comfortable. There's a box of tissue there, and I go, and I just, I just make eye contact and say, oh, tell me about those tears. There's a story behind how long have those tears been hiding in your, in your eyes? So we're going to do that, uh, rescuing, and then no switching. If someone's uh, talking, then I can say, well, this reminds me of the time um, when I did this. Although that might be helpful at some points, we're just going to stay focused today. Like I said, um, I hope this is the, the best retreat you've ever been on because 
you would be a little bit more known today than you were yesterday. It is, it, my, my, my dream for everybody would be that you would be fully known in your relationships, whether you have a spouse or whether you have a close-knit circle of friends, uh, fully known, because in being fully known, you will be fully loved. And if you're fully loved, then that's when all the healing begins. And if I choose to be 99% known, then I will not be known. And if I'm 1% known, then I actually prevent myself from being loved because I say, um, you know, Carlos, you're not going to get this 1% because if you knew this 1%, then you wouldn't love me. You would judge me and you would reject me. Therefore, you don't get it. So now I continue to make myself unknown. And a person who lives unknown lives in a world full of triggers. Everything pisses them off and everybody's an idiot and everybody's a moron and everybody in the freeway gets, gets the bird. And I know, looking at that type of person, they're not really angry per se, they're hurting. And then they're unknown. But people who, who step into this realm of fully known, uh, they become fearless, they become courageous, all these things. They actually become force multipliers in whatever organization they're part of. And I, and I, I, I cross this line here. Um, I crossed this line here uh, with my wife in, in 2013. Yep. I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of pride. This is part of my, my story. I said, uh, I'm not going to listen to anybody unless they have a, a degree, and they better be the same gender as me as well, and they better be this, this, and this, and I've just been delivered from all that, that sort of garbage type of, type of thinking. And it took, because I said I'm not going to listen to anybody, um, ironically, this man came into my life. I call him Plumber Dan. He says, I'm just a plumber. You know, he works on toilets for a living. And he used to say, Barangatang, that was, that was his nickname for me. Barangatang, you know, you can be fully known by your wife and everything's going to be okay. I'm like, what are, you talking, what are you talking about, Dan? And this guy literally loved the hell out of me. And when we were stationed in Hawaii, he flew to Hawaii three times just to, just to spend time with us and to do ministry with us. And he was very, very patient and very gracious with me to the point where I said, you're right. And I, and I, and I crossed that, cross that line. So we're going to transition from that. I, I want you to, to, to think about that story. And if that's your deep desire, like, you know what, there's some, there's some stuff that I've wanting, been wanting to get out, wanting to be free from, then, then this might be, a, might be a really good time. Okay? I'm going to introduce this thing, a little recap on, on the, the, the tree. I have this thing called the tree illustration. Um, well, I'll mention this once again. My wife reminded me yesterday. You didn't, you didn't explain what the picture is. Uh, my favorite thing about being uh, a Navy chaplain is absolute confidentiality. Actually, all chaplains of all branches have it with their own policy, and their doctrine states it. But for, for Navy people specifically, it's SECNAP 1730, um, 9 Alpha. And it says this, whatever you tell a chaplain stays between you and the chaplain. That's my favorite, my favorite thing about being a Navy chaplain. And I think they should give this away to more people. I think they should give it to the psychologists, to, to, to the nurses, to the, to the doctors. I think they should. Because if people know, okay, they're a mandated reporter, well, I'm not going to tell you then because then I'll get in trouble, then I'll lose my clearance, and then I'll do this, and then, and then the, all the fear starts to come up. But in my office, I get to say, 
Try it. My ears are graves where you can bury the deepest hurt, the deepest problem, and begin healing. And that's where the healing begins. That's only where it begins. So I give people free reign. And, and, and Dan and I were talking about this yesterday, that like the gnarlier the confession, right, if the roof caves in, then I know we've done it right. If it's PG-13, I know we haven't done it right. And I've met way too many people who read me all the way into their story to know that there could be anyone else who's not like the rest of us. So I don't know at some point where we as humans just began to think, like, I, I wonder if I'm the only one. You're not. You're not. We live in a, in a true me-too world. And if we start sharing with one another, if we just level the field, we start sharing, whoever goes first, someone's got to go first, and then other people will start to say, me too. And if those teenagers over there across the hall can do that, if they can learn that now, they will be so solid. I mean, how, how much deception is there in middle school and in high school and even in college? Especially with, I'm pointing to our, to our Instagram thing here, especially on social media. It is, it is just, it, is, it has changed the world. Actually, I mean, most of us came into the military when there was no iPhone. Remember that? Remember we used to carry like... Um, thumb drives around our necks and things like that, but such a different world. When In 2007, when the iPhone was launched into the world, it, it changed everything. It changed everything. Remember that, Dan? Remember those days? Yeah. It was freedom. It was like, what's your phone number? And you gave him a real, real number. So uh, Grady's going to be over there talking to them about, about um, resilience in terms of dealing with their wounds, things to do besides, I mean, because and I, I'm, not, I'm not judging anybody's kids, but, but man, we're so hopped up on this. that this is, this is a true addiction. This is a dopamine addiction. People like, like Simon Cowell says, it's, it's just like opening a cabinet of liquor and saying, hey, why don't you, you're having a bad day. Why don't you drink some more of this? Why don't you? It's the same thing. It's the same hit as someone gets doing hardcore drugs. But um, it's going to take, it's gonna take uh, parents role modeling it. Now, it's going to be hard, too. It's going to take parents role modeling it for our kids to see it and to catch it. Um, I even have asked my commander, I say, can I get rid of this iPhone here? Can I get rid of it? Just get a flip phone? And J6 is like, flip phone? I don't think we even have those. I was like, how about the Nokia phone with the snake game? I just, just want something else that's not smart. <laughs> it's not smart. So, um, yeah. Okay. My ears are graves. And then for you, um, it might be just, uh, you know, MFLAC counselor. It might be walking into, um, I, I, I say in Navy terms, fleet and family services or, or army services, whatever. What, every, anything's a win to be a little bit more known today than, than you were yesterday. Okay? So I offer that as, as a, an option. I, I am an option, an outlet for you, and I would love to do that. And it, it, it directly ties into our mission because I know if you came into work, and you were, you were more known and you experienced more healing in that one area, you'd come to work and your supervisor would say, I don't know what got into this guy, but he's on fire now. He's doing great things. It, it all connects. That's why, that's why I love it. That's why I love it. Okay? Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. No, no more hiding. Okay, so here's, here's the tree illustration. Uh, the focus of, of this first session, we're just going to do three sessions today. The focus of this first session is to, um, to link. If you open up your pamphlets there, we're going to identify what I believe are the seven 
core roots that lead to all destructive behaviors. Uh, we have more pamphlets out outside. On that pamphlet, you'll see a tree. You will see that there are two realms. There's two realms on that tree. There's the physical, visible world. And underground is the invisible, spiritual world. I call it spiritual world because you just you can't see it. You can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it. Um, you, you can only feel it. It's, it's things you believe. It's, it's things in your heart. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's anger. There's all kinds of things that we believe in our heart. The, the word heart is, a, is an ancient word, cardia. You know, cardia, a cardiologist is a doctor of the heart. But when, when the Greeks used it, they were talking about the deepest part of their soul. They were talking about the thinking capacity of their being. It's the decision maker. We do everything by thinking something in our heart, and then and only then does it begin to manifest. It, it gets, messages get sent up to our brain, and then our brain tells our hands and our feet what to do. So when we see how people are acting, we should always know how they're acting is always linked to how they're thinking. And behavioral modification is a cheap substitute for heart renovation. But it's tempting, though, right? We tell our kids, stop doing that. Stop crying. Why are you doing that? And it's, we, we would wish to just not pick off these bad fruits that they have, these bad behaviors one by one, and, and it's like playing whack-a-mole, right? Whack, 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 and they keep coming back. But in heart renovation, our job is to pursue those teenagers' hearts, then we start asking, we sit down with them when they're, when they're having their, their outbursts, when they're, having their, when they're throwing tantrums. We say, all right, sit down. It's cool. Tell me what's going on here. Tell me what's going on here. And they don't have an emotional vocab. In fact, adults don't have a deep emotional vocabulary as well. Brene Brown says, uh, tip, even um, especially men can only come up with three emotions. Happy, sad, and pissed off. <laughs> and she says you need about 40, 40 to become emotionally intelligent. And actually, my, my, my daughter, my 11-year-old, is, is probably better at this than, than most. Um, we'll ask her how she's feeling. And she's like, well, just felt so belittled. Yeah, like, wow, that's, that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> it was a lot deeper than, um, yeah, than some adults. So... Here we go. Now let's 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 play a game here. Um, what are what are some things that our that our teenagers are struggling with, or or yourself? Let's just we're gonna we're gonna go vulnerable here. What are some things? Let me tell you a story about a guy. I'm gonna call him a. I'm gonna call him Big Man because he's a very big man. I was uh, in a special. Special Forces unit, 
And this one guy, uh, the docs had sent him to my office, and he was just a mess. He was a mess. Uh, and he was a big dude in a special unit, and he was just so destructive. He was, he was an alcoholic. He was messing up in every single way. They couldn't figure him out. And they said, and, and the doc and the psychologist said, Jeff, you, you take him out. We don't, know what, we don't know what to do with him. So over six months, I started to spend time with this guy, and, and we're going over. I gave him a book, and we'd meet often. And after, it was, it was seriously like four to six months, finally, uh, plumber Dan flew over to Hawaii, and he said, if you line up some people, we'll do a freedom session with them. And he was training me at the time. This is 2013. He was training me at the time how to take people through uh, this journey uh, to freedom. At the time, he called it bondage breaker. Oh, no, he called it the steps. Right? There's different, different versions for people do it different ways, but he called it the steps. But it was based off a book called The Bondage Breaker, like getting all these addictions that we have and, and breaking the chains of addiction. And the key to this model was, was, was confession. Sitting, helping people sit down and they just say things they're doing. And in this session, we sat down and it was, at, it was at the very end. And big man was sitting there, right? He was like bigger than, than Dan and I like put together. He was really, really fast. Like Dan would stand on, a, on a, like this wall and, and big guy was, he was still the same height. Anyways, um, at the very end of his session, he said, there was a portion on sexual um, abuse, or sexual misconduct, and we said, uh, is, there anything, is there anything in this area? And he goes, well, and then he's sitting in this chair, right? He's, he's sitting like this, and then he, he, he begins to have this, like, posture of shame. And he says, well, I experimented sexually when I was, when I was 14. Okay, and then, and then Dan and I are looking at each other, we go, and, and then he goes, I was, it was with my cousin, and my cousin's a guy. And then he, and he just had this, he had this, like, this totally shame posture. And this is where my life changed. This is, I'll never forget what happened. Dan, plumber Dan, looks at him, and he reaches across, and he puts his hand on his shoulder, and he goes, hey, man, how does it feel to finally be free? So I'm getting goosebumps right now. He goes, how does it feel to finally be free? And big guy, he sat up straight and he goes, he goes, like, you guys don't, you don't judge me or anything? And Dan starts laughing. He goes, no, what else you got? Which is probably the best thing you could ever say when someone drops a confession. What else you got? Thanks for sharing. Thanks for trusting us. And in that moment, I was hooked because I saw the healing that took place. I saw how powerful it was when someone carries shame and guilt and it weighs them down and when they step into the light that guy that guy we're like what else you got well and then it was just like shooting fish in a bucket he's like well i got a porn addiction boom that's exposed well i cheated on my wife okay what well, all right it's a little more sticky they're still together this day and then i was stationed on the east coast years later i said man i'm gonna give him a i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot him an email he goes, guess what? I'm stationed in Virginia, too. And we linked up. He goes, guess what? I'm enrolled in seminary. I'm going to get out. Well, he ended up losing his rate. He got kicked out of the community. And the Navy sent him back into the fleet as something else. 
And that's all the details I'll give you. Um, but anyways, he's going to write, he's writing a story. He's writing a book. He's going to have it all out there. But um, he said, I'm studying to be a pastor. And then I went to his commissioning at his, at his, uh, when his church commissioned him to be a pastor. And now he's killing it. He's killing it. I haven't, I'm going to get a hold of him after this. He's probably full-time pastor now out of the Navy. That's his story. Um, it started off with anger. There's another story of a guy. I will tell you his name because he told me I can tell you all his story. His name is Matt. He's an F-18 pilot. He's one of my best friends. He, um, he was a worship leader in their church. He was, worship, uh, he was a small group leader, Bible studies, picture perfect, right? When I met him in 2016, we started having, uh, we'd meet for coffee, um, and, and breakfast at the, at the golf course uh, every, like, Tuesday morning. And we met like that for a long time. And I'm just being president and just loving the guy. And then the way I started talking, he goes, Ryan, um, I thought I was free until I met you. And you messed everything up. Because there's some things, he goes, I quite frankly thought you were an idiot because you told me that you tell Jeanette everything even thoughts that you've had, even things that haven't even manifested into actions, you tell her your thoughts. That's dumb. And he goes, so when I met you, you, I, I just, I hated it because I knew I wasn't free. And I had some things I was holding against my wife. And I had some things that I was keeping secret from my wife. So six months into this relationship, um, he starts to disclose his story. Infidelity here, infidelity there, a life of addiction to this, that nobody knew. Nobody knew this guy. He was the only one. And he, he, and he was a Christian, and he says, I, God already told me I was good to go, and I didn't have to tell anybody, which is such a lie. It's just, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. I have been to uh, freedom workshops and recovery seminars where the speaker has actually said, it was, it, was a, it was a men's recovery retreat, and this I'll never forget this guy. He was a counselor. He got up there, and he goes, hey, man, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff this weekend, but if, you, if, if you, some of you have cheated on your wives, I don't recommend you tell her that. And me and another guy next to each other were like, are you kidding me? That is destruction. That, that, is, that is a death sentence. So he, that counselor and I went back and forth over several emails, and we just had to agree to disagree agreeably, but then it clicked. He's got his own secrets. That's why, he's, that's why he's teaching that. That's why he's perpetuating that, that kind of, that kind of uh, talk. So issue here, infidelity. I propose that there are seven things, and these are just two stories. I got 100, I got 100 stories that I've, that I've annotated, and uh, I mean at least 100. I've annotated and analyzed and um, I realize it's always the same thing. It's always the same thing. Something happens in someone's life, and that's the portion on there. You'll see, you'll see wounds, right? I put five wounds there, which is another session. Something happens in life where someone's wounded, someone did something to them, someone said something to them, and then they have thoughts that they believe about what's happened. And then from there, 
what they're believing manifests into the way they're behaving. That's why I'm never shocked and I'm never surprised when someone's behaving a certain way because I just think, okay, what, what are they believing? What's going on deep down here in their heart? So the first one, I'll put deception as the first root. You can mark that in on your, on your handout there, deception. What are the lies we tell ourselves? Maybe right now you'd want to you'd just write something down on your blank piece of paper. And here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do this out throughout today. We're going to delve into our subconscious. So I'd like you to take your off hand. Your, your off hand, if you're right handed, you're going to take your left hand. Put the pen to paper, and see what see what your mind comes up with. What are the lies I tell myself? So let's do that right now. And whatever comes out, it just comes out. The lie I tell myself is. The mask that I wear is the lie I tell myself, and the mask that I wear is. And for safety, I ask that you not look at your neighbor's paper. You can even give that privacy to your spouse, or you can share it with your spouse. No one's going to look at these. And you can you can get rid of them after. Second. Okay, the second root would be uh, the root of rebellion. <coughs> and it's, it, rebellion is just pretty simple. It's, it's that deep down feeling that like, I don't want to do what's right. Here's what I know what's right. I know this is right, but I'm not doing that. So just curious to see what, see what comes out of your mind. <coughs> see what's sitting in, on your subconscious of... Uh, what type of rebellion are you engaging in right now? In your mind, like, and go ahead, go ahead and write. This, this could be a life uh, you know an ongoing lifelong exercise like we're just we're just scratching the surface here for the, for this weekend I actually do this all the time when I'm when I'm doodling this is what I draw I, I draw I draw this tree when uh, in doing counseling I'll often have a blank tree out and as the person's talking I'm writing these notes down and I'll slide it across the table to them and I'll say, that, you know, that's pretty darn accurate. I have that, that, and that. This uh, root here, the love of money. It's a very interesting one. 
Because in, in my, from my faith tradition, there's an ancient scripture that says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's, it's really specific. Some different versions say the root of all kinds of evil, but really, if the, when I was looking at the original Greek construct, it is total. It is the love of money is the root of all evil. And if, if anybody's ever stolen money from you, or, or you know, I mean, we all have, there's money issues. It's, it's tied into a lot of things. Maybe a lot of people have died you know, over the history of mankind because of the love of money, making money. The love of money is every, is everywhere. So today, if it's in your heart, take your offhand and, and write, where am I, where am I loving money more than I should? Okay, what areas? Is it, is it your property? Is it your rental property? Is it, is it have something to do with your family? Does it have something to do with, with work? I, I don't know, it's different for everybody. Just go ahead and see what comes to mind first. Just one thing, one thing per root here. And if your paper is blank, um, that's okay too. Sometimes I wake up the next day, like right in the morning, I like to have a blank piece of paper. Jenna and I have blank papers right next to us. It's actually a practice called morning pages. So right when I wake up, I'm like, I had a thought. And I'll just go, to, I'll, and my hand's not even warmed up yet. And I'll just, uh, you know, writing like this, but I have to get it out first thing in the morning. Like morning pages when you wake up and just start writing whatever comes to mind. No organization, nothing. Just, just, a, just a memory dump from all your dreams or whatever. Okay. The next four roots are... They're, they're insidious. The, the next four roots, you'll be able to link these roots to all of the destructive behavior in yourself, in your children, in your neighbor, in the world. So there, there's the, these four are, are things that, that people, they're, they're, they're false needs. Have you ever told your kids, I need you to do this, and it wasn't true? Well, that is, that's deception. So I try never to say, now, I need you to eat your vegetables. I need you to be quiet. I need you, I, I'm very careful with that word need. Because if it's not a need, and I start treating it like a need, then I'm going to delve into all kinds of things that's going to manifest in me berating that kid, abusing that kid, you name it, so on and so forth. So this first root of, it would be control. Control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. Um, people think that they, the more information they have, then the more they control, but it's actually, it's actually not true. People think if I, if I just know this, then I can control this, but, but we can't. So when we can't control things, then we start behaving a certain way. People who believe they need to control things, um, they, they, it's not good leadership. A second root here, well, the, the fifth root would be uh, the worship of power. 
now I say these four have to do with worship because it's, it's actually what, what they bow down to. Like, I need this. And this root of power, so someone on a power trip would just be, I don't know, one way it manifests is always having to get in the last word. Like, if you always have to have the last word, especially in a fight, and this manifests in marriage all the time or with your children or with, with actually anybody, but for me, it mostly, it mostly manifests in my marriage. I have to get the last word in. That is now a root of power worship. Me thinking I need to have that. It's people fighting for position and authority in organizations. That's a power issue. When uh, the subject matter experts talk about rape, they say it's not about sex. What do they say it's about? They say it's a power thing, which is very fascinating. So if that person deals with the power issue, then the rape doesn't happen. See how that works? Like I, like, I don't want to treat someone for what they're doing for over what they're believing. And what they're believing is going to be influenced by what's happened in their life. That's these wounds. Okay, so... We have deception, rebellion, the love of money, control, power, and we're going to go with comfort here. Now, this, this root of comfort means that I'm only going to do things that I'm comfortable with. So talking about my emotions is not comfortable, so I don't want to do it. And I'll never forget, one time I was sitting in a room, it was... Um, this one, this one chaplain who's talking to all of us it was all it was a bunch of uh, guy chaplains for this intermediate leadership course. And I'll never forget Chaplain Bagro at the very end of the session, at the very end of the week, it was this week-long course. He says, you know what, gentlemen, one of these days, one of these days you're just going to have to do it. You're going to have to check yourself in for counseling. Can you imagine a room full of pastors and rabbis and priests were like, what's this guy talking about? We're, we're, uh, we're chaplains. I'll never forget it because then I left there and then I got to Virginia and I said, it's time. It's, it's time that I check myself into counseling. And because I didn't want to control it, because I wanted to have a guy counsel me of this faith, of this, nope, I said, whoever I get, I get. You know what I got? I walked in to uh, Fleet and Family and I said, I would like to get some counseling. And they, they linked me up with this gal I walked into her office. She's wearing all black. Like, she's like goth, right? It's all, like, dark and purple in her office. And I'm like, this is not, this is not what, what I wanted. But I sat down. I did all my sessions. I did all my sessions. I experienced so, so much freedom. She helped me connect the fact that I had, I had a lot of germophobia before. Everything was dirty to me. Don't touch this. I'm yelling at my kids because that's dirty. Don't do that. That's dirty. Toothbrush on the sink. That's dirty. And what broke me was one time just Giselle, she's my 11-year-old, she was doing like the backstroke on the, the bathroom floor. <laughs> and something in me, everybody, something in me, like my, my soul just started, oh, I was like, oh. And I, and I ran down and I yanked her out. I yanked her off the floor so hard I could have I could have pulled her arm I could have pulled her arm out of the out of the socket like it, it hurts me today to, to think about that 
like, why did I do that? So I'm, I'm talking to this counselor, and she helped me connect my own abuse, my own abuse to that. Because the person who is sexually abused, when they grow up, a child with sexual abuse will grow up thinking the world is dirty, and they will do things, they sometimes do things to preserve everything. And, and this, this lady helped me make sense of all this. All my life I've been preserving things. Don't touch my book. You're, you're going to crease the pages. I didn't want to use rollerblades one time. I didn't, want to, I didn't want them to touch the street because I didn't want the wheels to get worn out. It's, it's, it, it was just like instant. All these things to me started making sense. All this germophobia, I didn't want to treat the germophobia. It happened from a wound that happened from a belief. And, I, and it ended when I said, no more comfort. I'm going to walk into this office. I'm not going to control it. I'm going to get who I, whoever I'm going to get. And I got what I got. And that last session, I'll, uh, in my journal, it says this is the final session. This was worth it. That's how you kill that comfort, um, that comfort root. You just say, this doesn't feel good, but I'm going to do it. It's like surgery. It's like surgery. It hurts, but it's necessary. Okay? Okay, control, power, comfort, and here's one, approval. The root of approval. Oh, we didn't, did we, did we write a, a comfort example? Okay, go ahead with your off hand. Whatever comes to mind, don't think too hard. Just let it come out. Where are you worshiping comfort? Where are you worshiping comfort? What root of comfort needs to die today? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep moving, but you can always go back to that. Now, the, this last route of approval is me doing things to get other people's approval. What's that, um, what's that quote from uh, Fight Club? We buy things we don't need with money. We don't have to impress people we don't like. Yeah, that's, that's the approval thing. Why, why am I doing this? And... I say I'm thinking about the teenagers, but if really, if we're going to be honest, we have way more in common with those kids across the hall than, than, we, than we like to think. I call it the same poop, different scoop. Same poop, different scoop. Come on, we, let's be honest. We, we, roll, we wrestle with the same things. You might think this is a thing that's, that's in high school, but we do it too. The approval, wanting to look good. I'll never forget. I, I, took, I took my buddy who was a, who was a, uh, who was a commanding officer, Right, which one of my best friends, and we talked about leaving a command. Like, oh man, I really wanted that award. Like, I wanted that on my. And then, and then, you know, this is a savage. Okay, he's a Marsoc CEO, and he he says, "Me too, man." And he's he's we're we're that kind of friend, right? We like we have no secrets with each other. He goes, "Me too, man. What is that? What is that? Why do we want that?" You know, I'm talking to a savage. He goes, "I wish I really got would have got this award when I left that command." Things that, that you would never hear, because right? they would never tell you those things. It's approval. It's approval. Tell me if you relate to me. Usually when I'm really 
angry at my kids, it's because they're embarrassing me and I care more about what you think about me in that moment. And that's why I'm pinching them in the side during a church service, right? What is everybody else going to think? You better shh. <laughs> they have to know we're perfect, so you better behave. Now, I, I, I preach at the Patch Chapel. I'm there every Sunday. And I just want to, I want people to say, hey, don't, don't, don't berate your kids to get them here. And then we get here, and then it's like singing hymns and talking about love. That's, that, is not, that is not what we want. Life transformation doesn't happen that way. They have to see it manifest in us. Anyways, that's just looking into my, our chapel life. Okay? So how do you kill roots? We'll end here. How do you kill roots? Anybody a gardener in here? How do you, yes, Lauren. How do you kill a plant? Yes. Now, if you have weeds, if you have weeds, um, and you just mow over the weeds, what happens? They grow back. And they come back with a vengeance, too. It's like, you're like, whoa, what? you would have done better just to leave it alone. But if you mow over the weeds, they will grow back so fast. And roots only gain power. They only gain power when they're in the dark, when they're hidden. And if they're hidden and they stay in the dark and it's moist down there, then they can gain so much power they can actually lift a house. Any homeowners in here who's got a house that, that was ruined? Jerry, you got a house that was ruined? Like, did it break the foundation? And they can bust pipes and all that kind of stuff. So what do you do? You, yeah. You, you have to dig down deep. You have, to kill, you have to kill at the root. If we don't, and we can role model this for our teens. We can role model this. We try, not, we try to have our fights. Um, actually, Jeanette and I have been fighting a lot less over the couple of years. Yeah, what did you say? Maybe? I don't know. We'll work on it. <laughs> but, but we try to do it in front of the kids because we want to role model what a fight looks like. We want to role model healthy fighting. I, I have a friend who said, well, our parents never fought in front of us, so we didn't really know what it looked like. And so when, when, when we're fighting, come some of the kids will step in and they'll say, are you guys fighting? Like, yes. And this is how you should fight. We're talking about a disagreement. And um, it has to do with these things. I, I had a picture, but I, I didn't put it up. But one time, my 11-year-old was going crazy. She was, like, mean to everybody. And, and then I, I sat her down, and I, I gave her a piece of paper, and I said, I want, you to, I want you to write down what's going on in your heart. Do you know what she wrote? I wonder if I should. I'll find it. I'll find it later. You know what she wrote? She wrote, I want to control all of you. <laughs> and that's what she wrote. And I'm like, thank you. You did it. And guess what was gone after she wrote that down? Her, her desire to control everybody. And then she wasn't, yeah, I'll show it to you after the break. It's just, it was hilarious. I want to control you people. But, it, but if we... Okay, so you kill a root by digging it up. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes it's so deep, you're going to have to call in for, for backup. And once you start digging it up, you pull that sucker out, you throw it into the, into the air, it lands, and then the sun shrivels that sucker up and it dies. 
And after this root dies, the fruit falls off the tree, and you never had to touch the fruit. You never had to touch the fruit. It's like, it's like um, you know, having a bunch of flies in your house. And you're like, where are these flies coming from? And I'm swatting flies. I even have that electronic fly swatter from, you know, the one, the Asian one. Like, you can do that all you want and then not realize that, you know, someone didn't take out the trash. Probably what, a teenager, right? Someone didn't take out the trash, so that's the source. If you take out the trash, guess what's gone? The flies. And there's a, there's a myriad of other uh, analogies I could give with that. If we attack things at the roots, then the fruits fall off. The, the way that we expose roots is by talking, by talking. I did a, 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 long, a long study of all recovery programs, not all. I did a deep dive onto six recovery programs and then 12 more. It, took, it, was, a, it was a study that took six years. The key to all of those programs, AA, Celebrate Recovery, all these recovery programs was confession amidst people. So if you walk into an AA meeting, you sit at a table, hi, my name is Ryan, I am an alcoholic. You go to NA, hi, my name is Ryan, I am a whatever, so on and so forth. If there's one person in there who goes, I don't even know why I'm here, they may, my, my command's making me be here, that person gets kicked out. Probably get kicked out of the Navy or Marine Corps or Army or, or Air Force, whatever. If you fail that kind of treatment, but you have to admit. So this ongoing ethic of I'm going to say what's going on down here in front of people, because that's where the rubber meets the road, leads to fruit falling off the tree. Okay, I'm going to end there because I promised you a break at this time. You can get a refresh, get refreshments outside. Hopefully those teenagers didn't didn't drain our our supply out there. And then I'll call us back in here in about 10 minutes, okay? All right.